0: Welcome to the Women's Health Wisdom & Wine Podcast, a weekly conversation with practitioners, providers, patients, and healers about complex reproductive medicine and women's health challenges, the value of an integrative approach to these challenges, many other women's health topics you're already thinking about but uncomfortable talking about, and my personal favorite, wine. I'm your host, Dr. Lorena White, an integrative reproductive medicine and women's health provider, licensed acupuncturist, clinical herbalist, and a former labor support doula, in the Washington, D.C. metro area. My goal is to bring women's health specific evidence and expertise to the forefront of daily women's health and wellness news through informative conversations. If you have ideas, questions, and specific topics that you would like us to cover in future podcast episodes, please leave them in the comment section or send us an email at infolarinawite.com. At to learn more about our team's approach to care, visit our website at www.larenawhite.com. As you enjoy the podcast, conversations and wine time, please remember that this podcast is not designed to be a substitute for a bona fide relationship with a licensed or certified healthcare professional. welcome 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 we are back last week we talked a lot about endometriosis awareness month we got a brief introduction to tiffany davis nazaire a person living with endometriosis diagnosis and we got a chance to talk about the myths just the basics one-on-one and also some dietary lifestyle changes that could be helpful Mm -hmm. so as we continue this month we are going to be having some different types of conversations and this Time we're Mm -hmm. going to be talking about relationships, endometriosis, and relationships of all sorts. Mm -hmm. So
1: welcome back, Tiff. How you doing? Hi, I'm great. Not nursing a flare like I was (laughs) in episode one. So progress, man. Progress. Even
0: better. Even better. Now we got all of
1: you, all of you on your a game, on your
0: a game. Yes, yes, yes. I love it. All right. So this week we're talking about how endometriosis can. Uh, endometriosis diagnosis can affect relationships so let's get started with friends. How has living with endometriosis affected your friendships?
1: Um, so when, you, when it comes to being social of course uh, sometimes you're just not able to make it. Mm-hmm. Some people think you're flaky mm-hmm. and I used to really take that to heart and um, and really be upset at myself. Like, why can't you show up? You know, somebody invited you here or it's this person's birthday or, you know, even just the small things. But I have learned, especially where I am now, they'll be okay. And if they don't understand, then that's on them. Yeah, I think, you that's, know. That <laughs> I think that wraps it up. That wraps it up. I and, mean, and they either family, are or they aren't. Yeah, yeah, they either I mean, are or they and, aren't. And family has been really really supportive um and then we'll talk about you know the other types of relationships the other types later, of relationships but- mm-hmm. all right yeah.
0: so sometimes i know it can feel easier not to talk about your endometriosis diagnosis with those close mm-hmm. to you perhaps you don't want to burden them with your health problems or perhaps you feel like they just won't understand and even right. though they are our primary relationships how do you talk about your to your family about your endometriosis diagnosis and living with that's diagnosis. Um,
1: so for me I try to keep it simple um, I use pictures um, like What kind the, of pictures? Um, so there's this really good picture on the internet it has a uterus and it's wrapped in barbed wire and it's like bleeding and it oh, wow. ri- just kinda gives you a, an idea of what it might feel like, you know, because there's okay, no way gotcha. to describe it. So if you don't have it, you might know to a certain extent, but you don't really know. Right. So exactly. pictures like that, um, pictures kind of explaining, OK, I have endo here and it causes this. I have endo here, um, you know, where all the lesions may be. Mm-hmm. Um Explanations, so like the description that I gave you um, last episode, I right. think for a lot of people, they're able to imagine that, and even though they don't know what it feels like, they know that it must be atomizing. Right. Yes. And that's people <laughs> so with or without
0: that, a uterus, because I think that description, right. and if you match okay. that description that you use in terms of words with a visual barbed wire wrapped around anything, is not a walk in the park, period. So I think the combination of those two, even if you don't have a uterus, imagine it wrapped around your penis. Imagine barbed wire wrapped around your testicles. I mean, guys can you imagine get that? it. Yeah.
1: Guy, and, you know, guys are, I, w- I won't say that women don't get it, but when you explain it like that to a guy, they're like, oh. Mm-hmm. But for some women, they're just like, oh, I have that. You know, I have that <laughs> on my period. I have that on, you know. And, and as women, I really want us to stop minimizing each other's pain and experiences. Yeah. So sometimes that's even more frustrating because you feel like, oh, this is a woman. She's going to get it. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes that's just not the case. So right. that's really how I use it. And if I get to the point where I'm exhausted trying to explain it to you, that's when I direct you to Google or Bing mm-hmm. or yeah. whatever your search engine of choice is. Right. And you can get information there. Or if, right. you know, you're argumentative or you're trying to have this back and forth about my experience. Yeah. we don't. I'm really not doing do it. That. Yeah. No. No. And, and I've think, come a long way. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. And I
0: think sometimes it's also coming from a provider perspective. And I'm not sure if you get this even as a you know, nurse perspective and as a patient perspective. Sometimes when I ask, okay, t- talk to me about your pain from zero to 10. The way you describe things, you're at like an 18 when you're going through something, um, like a flare that might be really intense. To me, that's an 18 mm-hmm. in my own head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But as patients, sometimes I know you're in pain and I say, okay, talk to me from the, of zero to 10. And you're like, um, after you just <laughs> described how harsh and ridiculous it is, and you're like, yeah, it's about like a four
1: we've had that conversation, you're just like, I don't think that's true. I, yeah, don't I think, think that's accurate. I you're not <laughs> telling the truth.
0: Like, and I say that, like, you always say that because I was like, I don't see how mm-hmm. those two match.
1: So right. I think a lot of right. times
0: we, patients as well are minimizing their pain. Yeah, we do. And then it's the cycle of, you just talked to me that you missed how many days of work and you did such and such and you didn't do such and such because you were in so much pain. Mm-hmm. And okay. from a zero to ten, you said it was a four? That maybe a fourteen? Does that did I hear you correctly? Like, something to the digit. Yeah, Missed did digit. you miss something? Did I carry the yeah. one? I don't know what happened here. And right. on the flip side, as a practitioner, someone tells you that they're missing work, that they're not going to events, they're missing, you know, special occasions, they don't go out, they're missing school. Mm. And it's like, okay, to me that's automatically a more than 10 number. And they'll just say, okay, well, why don't you take some Advil? Clearly we're at a place that Advil, Advil is a two to three out of 10 type issue. It's about a two to three, but when you're talking <laughs> about Miss are this, this isn't an Advil or a Tylenol, or worse Tylenol kind of situation. Right. So I feel like that right. misdiagnosis of pain happens at both ends all across the spectrum. Absolutely. And we're still, again, not getting to the crux of what is going on. We're focusing right. on this pain and either I don't want to seem weak, so I'll just say, like it's around a four to five, no, I'm good and well, it's about a 14, 15. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Or
0: on the practitioner side, i mean like, okay, you just heard everyone said this is what this is going on in their lives and you're talking about Tylenol. Tylenol. Okay. So again, pain perception, pain um, description is also very important. And I think like you said, putting some colorful, vivid words to that pain description is what helps people understand because it does sometimes that scale of zero to 10, it's about listening to the other things that are going on that are reflecting what type of pain they're in because it's preventing them from doing activities.
1: Yeah,
0: Which brings us to a relationship that we rarely (laughs) consider the work relationship. So what's it like experiencing an endometriosis flare on work days? How do you navigate sick days and possibly short-term disability if you have to miss multiple days from work?
1: Um, (laughs) it's really hard. Um, as a nurse, um, Like most nine to five Monday through Friday jobs, you get a certain bank at the beginning of the year. Or when you start, you know, you have two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, whatever, you know, you may be allotted. But when you work in certain areas, you have to accrue time to be Mm -hmm. off. Um, So that makes it really hard. So it's just like I'm not in a position where I can take this time unpaid so mm-hmm. i'm going to push through it
0: right
1: to our detriment because the only person that you hurt is yourself when you do that mm-hmm. um i have gone to work and my pain was a level 10. Um, mm-hmm. i've gotten out of bed and i'm doubled over but i'm doing stretches like okay tiff let's get it together because you have to go to work you have to do this Um, if it, if I call out of work, just know that I'm probably going to be in the ER and if I'm not in the ER, I probably should be.
0: Right. Um, Right.
1: you know, I, I know that you have people that say things or do things to get out of work, but for employers, you just have to know the person that you're dealing with. If you know that this person comes on time, they do their job, they always, you know, perform take that into consideration when you make claims like, oh, well, you've been out a lot, or um, mm-hmm. just with my last position, um, you know, I had to be out a week. And the right. question was asking me, well, we're not gonna need any more time. No, first, you ask, hmm, how have you been doing? And I'm thinking that this is coming from a place of uh, concern that you are mm-hmm. genuinely concerned about me and that you care. And I explain it to you, and then you say, well, we're not going to need any more time off now, are we? Mmm. That. Mm. That piece. And, you know, you have FMLA, but you have to wait 12 months before you're eligible for FMLA on a job. Right. First problem. And so the cycle comes every month, and every endo single happens, month. All yeah, happens and it'll happen all, happens the, all month. the time. <laughs> yeah. So, Ooh. what I would do is I would say, you know what? I hurt 21 to 25 days out of the month, right? On a good month, I have a week where I don't hurt. So, I'm going to push through and I'm going to go to work on those days so that if I need to be off when my cycle comes, then yeah. I can be off that one week.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. Why should we have to do that? And these are questions that I'm asking and, you know, like soul searching on how I would like to change things. But why should we have to do that at all? Why should anybody have to do that? Not just with endo, but with anything, not just females, but anybody, whatever you any person. Why should you have to sacrifice yourself for a job that at the end of the day um, sees you as disposable? Right
0: especially when it's about sick time and sick leave and you can still do the job. Like you are doing the job. Right. I feel like there should be accommodations, whether it be work from home, because of the pain where you can kind of like navigate that pain, work from your bed, do some of the things, something, (laughs) um, whether it be the heavy bleeding, whatever your symptom is that you can, that can be accommodated for.
1: Absolutely.
0: Which brings me to this. How is it? having that conversation do you have a conversation because I guess this is a two-parter about your chronic condition ahead of time because it's not a chronic condition like X condition or another condition it's endometriosis which seemingly seems like again are you just having bad periods kind of like suck it up buttercup type Mm -hmm. of thing and the second part of that question is do you when you have that conversation, you know, what are the responses and is there a way to navigate having, and when do you have that conversation? Do you have it after you've been hired? Is it a conversation even to have, is it healthy the conversation because you're now you're at risk of people looking at you differently? Is it, Mm -hmm. how do you navigate talking to your employer about a chronic condition that you have that on some days may affect your work? but not the fact that you don't want to but that on certain days you just can't and it's not like you know every month at the same time it can be you know how do you navigate that conversation or is it a conversation to even navigate
1: so it it just all depends um, i don't disclose initially um, okay. because as much as people say oh well we don't um, we don't discriminate against this or we don't discriminate against that mm. If you say I have endo in that interview or you say this A, B and C, a lot of people are going to look at that as missed time, especially Mm -hmm. if they are aware of endometriosis. Um, So I personally do not have the conversation. Um, I also had COVID. And the crazy part is COVID is covered under the um, Disabilities Act, the American Disabilities Act. So COVID okay. is covered, so your employer has to provide certain accommodations for you. Endo okay. is not. So if you have mm. a condition that's covered under ADA, I said from the from the start, make right. it known right. because you have protection in right. a sense, right? Endo, right? Right. Um, we're not as lucky, so I don't say anything. Okay. If I notice that I'm having to be out a lot or um, while at work I'm kind of falling behind because I'm in pain that's when I will have a conversation with my manager. Um, Certain jobs HR is a good start but sometimes HR is not the human resource it is the employer resource. Um, The occupational health nurse At my last job was really good. And she was very supportive in, you know, all the things. Um, She's like, well, are you sure you don't need more time? You look like you're still in pain. Are you sure you don't need more time off? Are you sure you don't need this? So those are the types of people that get it. Those are the type of people. And she may not even understand endo, but she just has compassion. So a person Mm -hmm. doesn't even have to know or understand what you're going through. But a compassionate person is going to give you the support that you need as the best that they can. So personally, I don't say anything until it becomes an issue. Until it becomes that's, an issue. That's just me, you know.
0: And do you suggest going to HR or to your direct supervisor, direct manager? How do you feel like the, the best response, you'll receive the best response?
1: Um, I am a person who likes to have direct conversations. Mm -hmm. I, if I have a relationship with you or you're my direct supervisor or my manager, um, I try to have the conversation with you first. Um, that has bitten me in the arse. So now I'm like, um, follow up that conversation with an email, get everything in writing, protect yourself. Because again, at the end of the day for most jobs, you're disposable. Right. For, you know, whatever the reason One reason be. or the other, right. Right. So um, if you have to have the conversation, don't be afraid to have it. Protect yourself because in having that conversation, you've now, you know, lifted a weight, so to sense, because... So so to speak, I should say, um, Mm -hmm. because now it's out there now people know why you sometimes don't show up. They know why you sometimes have to take an extended break while you're actually on shift. So it's out there. Um, I think you just have to gauge the people that you work with. And if you don't feel like you can trust your manager with that information, again, put it in writing and then maybe ask hr or your employee health nurse because there are certain things that they may ask for as far as documentation goes they're not Mm -hmm. privy to that so all my endo folks or chronic illness or whoever right they are not privy to your medical records so those discharge instructions and all of those things they don't they don't need to see those employee health can see those to determine whether you're ready to come back to work but your direct supervisor that's none of their business as long as they have an excuse that's right. all that they need
0: oh and see that's valuable to be- see a supervisor being very casual about okay well mm-hmm. you, let me see your excuse and you know saying it very nonchalant but now they have information that can be used against you exactly and, like that's you know HIPAA material and even though you think oh well i shared it they're not specifically now that right. they have your information, but they're not covered under that. They're not your provider. Nope. They're not your health, you know, any type of health care personnel, even under in the same place that you're employed. So now they have information that they can use in a nefarious way.
1: Absolutely. I just learned that, that in it. December, like 2021, like wow. two months ago. I just yeah. learned that. And the employee health nurse told me that.
0: Oh good. See that's see that's good information. That's very good information. Okay. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, how about the coworker aspect when you're on a team or you are missing work and teammates?
1: It depends on the coworker. You know, you have those coworkers that you're closer to than others. So, if I have a coworker that I know I can trust with that information, then yeah i will share look this is why i'm out or this is why i move a little bit slower or whatever the case may be um but they're on they're on a need to know basis and they only need to know what i uh, am comfortable with sharing um took me a long time to learn that one too um, because everybody will not be compassionate with that information some people will use it against you. Oh, well, she's just trying to get out of work. And especially when you're a nurse and you're working on a unit where it is, um, a job that's heavily, heavily reliant on teamwork. Um, and when you're not able to perform, um, there's chatter, you know, but what they have to understand is, okay, I can't perform. So I feel some type of way about that. Um, So just a little bit of compassion goes a long way. Um, So like I said, there are certain colleagues that I would share that information with and others blank stare because you just don't need to know.
0: Thanks so much, Tip. That was great information because I think a lot of times we don't know where to go. We don't take time Mm -hmm. to think about our employer as a relationship and what information is safe to share, what information is not safe to share. Especially when we're trying to explain the situation that constitutes why our work performance may shift throughout the course of the month that may be different, that may be characterized different due to chronic condition, but simply talking to an employer and giving them information that they're not privy to sometimes can work against you because now you look like a liability. And that's not even HIPAA protected information because you're not talking to a Healthcare professional, you're talking to Ray Ray or Roro, who is either on Mm -hmm. your or Karen or Mm -hmm. or worse, Karen, who now has a and Karen comes in black and white forms, just so we're black, white, and brown forms. Yes. Yes, just be all, the whole spectrum. <laughs> the okay. whole spectrum of, of <laughs> colors, please. And Karen so, is an ideal. Okay, <laughs> Karen <laughs> is definitely it's an, an entity of all yes. of her own. All of her own. Yes. Um, and race knows no bounds. Um, and so just being aware of the fact that that's still your personal information that can't just land in the hands of any old body especially when you're Mm -hmm. needing an advocate or support and how to navigate a situation especially when it's chronic but not necessarily to the level of what is commonly thought of as a chronic condition that needs some special attention and that garners special attention especially as you navigate it all throughout the month so i think it's um highlighting that is also important because again Mm -hmm. we just got to make sure that information lands with the right people at the right time so that you're protected not right. so much that you're protecting you know, your reputation, but that you have a paper trail that talks about who you communicated with, what you communicated, what, what was given, at what time. Exactly. Because at the certain point those that level of communication is going to need to potentially show up in some official capacity or yep. that's going to be talking about your benefits that could be at risk, your work performance, mm-hmm. and then how you move through the, that organization or the company, and all right. those different things can come into play. So, th- talking about exactly um, who needs to have that information and when is very okay. important. And also, I think you highlighted the importance of write everything down, cc yourself on everything, mm-hmm. make sure Cute. you have it in writing. If they say you know they're good from you working from home X Y Z day, it, at this point it doesn't matter what your coworkers think, but it does matter what who said what when and how and that you are Mm -hmm. able to prove it Um, because now it's starting to going to be, you know, could be, he said, she said, she said, she said. And the only way you're going to have that is if you have some form of documentation for those conversations that happen verbally and otherwise. So thank you for highlighting that. So next, what about partner intimacy? How did you, (laughs) how did having an endometriosis (laughs) diagnosis affect or influence dating? (sighs) <sighs> yes we're, we're going there this is a relationship
1: <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's hard because it can be a huge deterrent it mm-hmm. really can be because um you know you have to have the conversation at some point because it might be one of those things where you're just like mm, no I don't want to do this or your you know your partner asks you hey do you want to go out this day and if you know your cycle's coming, sometimes I preemptively say, okay, this is going to be day one and two. So <laughs> I'm just going to block that off. Mm-hmm. And if that, if it gets here and I'm cool, then I'll do something like spur right. of the moment, but I don't make plans. And so mm-hmm. in that instance, you could, you could be seen as flaky or your partner may say, well, that she just doesn't want to hang out with me or whatever. Oh, we had these plans need. for months. How are you going to cancel on me now? Right. Right. Yeah. So it's for me, it's more of when do you so when do you have the conversation? Right. So will they understand? Will they think I'm weird? Uh, will they be the support that I need? Because right. I think so many times we focus on the other person. hmm we don't focus on, okay, will this person even be the support that I need um, to go through this, right? Right. So it's hard, especially when you've only known somebody a short period of time Mm -hmm. um, to really gauge when to have the conversation. But I feel like if you've been on a few dates or, you know, Whenever you feel comfortable, mm-hmm. then that's the time to be able to say, look, I do have endometriosis. Sometimes it causes this, A, B, and C, depending on the extent of, you know, your endo, just have the conversation, just be open and honest. Um, yeah, just be open and honest with it. But the win is, um, I think that's individual. Unfortunately, right. I don't have like, a. oh, girl, you should have it on a third day after this. Like it's it's <laughs> there not is like no that. Formula. Because there is no, no formula. formula. Right. So you just have to work, work with the chemistry you have between mm-hmm. that person. And some people are going to get it from day one. Um, and some people I, I have Indo sisters that are just like, I have the conversation before we even go out. Mm, whatever mm, works for you, yeah, you know, yeah. whatever works for you. I just know that for me, I kind of try to gauge the person because if you're not really even somebody that I can see this going anywhere, I don't even need to really we don't need to disclose that, that information mm. exactly. Yeah. So, you'll be for on a need to know basis, <laughs>
0: and right now, you don't need to know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so that's how I handle it. Um. Right. I've been very blessed to have partners that understand and support me um, when I need it. And sometimes they support me in ways and I didn't even know I needed the support. So I've been very blessed for that. Um, But ladies don't give up. Supportive people are out there. They are out there. I know it's hard sometimes, but there are people out there that really get it and can really be the support that you need. So Hopefully that's a beacon of hope for you.
0: <laughs> yes. And I think it's important that maybe they don't get in and it's, that mm-hmm. doesn't mean like they, just because they don't understand doesn't mean they can't be supportive. Right. But I feel like that's where communication plays a huge role in terms of mm. just getting Shh. like the conversation started That's what because I was someone say, can't support something they don't even understand. Yeah. Okay. So i we mean that's the that's a yeah.
1: basis of any relationship i feel is communication right. so just communicate what yes. you need when you don't feel like being bothered you know just find ways to communicate those things and absolutely yeah, yeah.
0: and so now <laughs> moving shifting from for better uh for like dating for play play. And um, let's talk about for better or worse, right? Mm -hmm. We talked about painful sex last week. And Mm -hmm. what about sexuality overall in terms of libido Mm -hmm. for the person who has the endometriosis diagnosis?
1: So with endo, like a lot of other illnesses, there's a physical component And then there's an emotional, mental, Mm -hmm. spiritual component that goes along with it as well. So the physical component makes you not want to do anything in itself. So the libido is like, don't touch me. I don't want, I really don't even want this mattress touching me, but (laughs) you know, it is what it is. Right. 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 So Sometimes that's how it feels. Um, Communicate that. Um, Yeah. But then there's an emotional aspect that can completely. Why am I going through this? Why do I have to go through this every single month? Um, you know, just all of those questions that tanks your libido. So when you have both of those, it can be a huge, huge. It can have a huge, huge effect on your libido. Right. But I feel like having that partner that understands um, and And kind of going inside and soul searching and just telling yourself like, look, it is what it is. I have this, but it does not have me. Mm. So yes, I'm in pain. Yes, I have all these things, but you know what? I'm still bomb. I'm still this, I'm still like I'm yeah. still stellar, like I'm a whole vibe, right? right. So just don't let Indo have you like I don't even capitalize the word Indo. Mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. care if it's in professional writing or whatever because I feel like that gives it some sort of power. Right. So right. I challenge every one of my endo sisters, every one of anybody that's dealing with a chronic illness, take your power back. You know, you have it, but it does not have you. Right. So it's all in how you choose to to deal with it. And right. so I think once you tackle that emotional, because the emotional plays into so many things and far into an emotional rut Mm -hmm. or you know it manifests itself as physical in the body so I feel like addressing that something is more important than addressing the pain because we know how to address the pain. Heat packs, bottles, essential oils, you know um, pain meds if you need them. We know how to address that but the emotional part, that's the part that I feel like people forget about a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Um, So therapy, uh, a friend what I, I feel like anybody with a chronic illness especially to the extent needs therapy you need somebody to be able to talk to um figure out where certain thinking patterns that's come, non-judgmental come from. that's non-judgmental exactly they're not going to minimize what you're going through right. um they're going to validate what you're going through so I'm a huge 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 advocate for therapy for so many reasons but that's um ...pain reasons, so right. look at your emotional part um, and tackle that, because you know how to deal with the pain. Right. It's all the other stuff up here and what yeah. external factors, the world and everything, it's what they give you that right. is a tougher pill to swallow, so to say
0: yeah and i think even as you talked about your framing and the mantras and the Mm self-affirmation one of the things even as an ally as in a provider uh, aspect is we talk about the diagnosis you have an endometriosis diagnosis you don't have endometriosis because there's like an ownership of like i have this it does have me and this is where i am i was diagnosed with endometriosis Mm -hmm. you have been diagnosed with you know uterine fibroids, you have been diagnosed with PCOS that is the diagnosis speaking but that's not what who you are and right. I think it can take over when there's you know the dietary concerns that you have to think about it's the social planning it's the just the day-to-day activities literally from morning you know sun ups to sundown where you're constantly thinking about how is this going to affect or what choice or what you know decision do i need to make to minimize or to maximize or to that's going to be most beneficial to me and this is the diagnosis talking this isn't your self-worth this isn't you aren't the diagnosis so when we talk about things especially in our office it's someone who has been diagnosed with or someone who's living with a diagnosis of because you still are living you still are here and i think if you said it's more empowering speech um and definitely those affirmations that talk mm-hmm. about the diagnosis, but apart from the person, it kind of makes that separation and delineation one from another. Absolutely. So as we go back to it, any sex tips for the person living with endometriosis, any kind of positioning, anything you want to give a little inside scoop about?
1: Um, you know, posi- so I used to think that, okay, <laughs> Like real talk, okay. We're
0: doing it, we're doing this.
1: <laughs> so I used to think that okay, positioning would help position you know, but it it's very individual because you could have someone who you know your parts can be positioned in different ways. You can be down a little bit, you can be up, you can be backwards. So all of those things play into it. So again, having a partner that is understanding but also willing to explore some new things so that might be okay we can't necessarily do a but maybe some toys or maybe Mm -hmm. some different types of things to keep the intimacy there and keep the fun in it but also be respectful and mindful of what you're going through so it definitely takes some out of the box thinking
0: yeah (laughs) it takes communication i think that's one of the things you gotta keep going back to is that you've got to talk about it and talk about Mm -hmm. it honestly because if you're you know talking about okay things are okay and things are not so bad but you're missing you know canceling on dates and doing it last Mm -hmm. minute or same day cancellations and oh my goodness i yeah people are gonna be like what's wrong with you okay, okay, she so must not be that into me if she's canceling, but no, there's right. a, this is the kind of time when you have to have that conversation and it may be, again, the timing may seem awkward or uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but it's about like the value that you place in that relationship as well. Absolutely. Um, like you said before, if it's someone who's like, yeah, you ain't, you're not making it past first place, so figuratively that. or otherwise right, we don't right. even have all this conversation, <laughs> but it's someone that you can see, you know, go on the distance or at least mm-hmm. the possibility of now's the time, because again, for better or for worse, if they're not about it, they're not about you. And if they can't mm-hmm. understand that this is the life that you're currently living and these are your experiences, they need to know the whole picture so that they can make Absolutely. decisions as well, because maybe they're the person who can't deal with someone who's in in who has a chronic condition that potentially could interfere with their sex life. Okay. But know that going in. So then you can make that decision. Do you want them to stick around? Do you want to be a part of someone who's not going to give you that support? So I do think it goes both ways.
1: And to to piggyback to piggyback off that. So that's where that self-assurance comes in because Mm -hmm. it, if you do have this conversation with this person and you really like this person, um, but they decide, yeah, I can't deal with that. Knowing in your heart of hearts that it's not me, they just couldn't deal with it. And it may not be anything, you know, negative towards them, or they may not be a right. bad person. It just means that they may not feel like going the duration or dealing with whatever that may uh, come with it in, in right. the role of your partner. Don't internalize it. Right. You have done nothing wrong. Just go with the flow. It's kind of like I don't want to. I don't. I. I don't want to eat McDonald's. Okay, mm-hmm. that's fine. Right. fine something They're entitled else. to that.
0: They're entitled. They're to that entitled
1: preference. to that, right? They. They. They are entitled to that. So if shoot, if they don't want to eat at Casa de Tiff, then there's somebody else who. There's somebody right. else who will want to dine. You know, right. fine dine. <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> yes. Yes, yes. So, fine like, get, cocky. Get, yes. get Get a little arrogance about yourself, ladies, because yeah. you deserve it. And right. like I said, it's nothing towards that person, but take it and keep it moving.
0: Right. And that's take an early red flag. That's someone who's not designed to deal with you in your totality
1: or maybe they had somebody in their last relationship and it was mm-hmm. just emotionally exhausting right. and they're like I just I just can't deal with that I'm right now that so you just right never now. know you never right. know that's so why I say, don't internalize it and don't necessarily it doesn't mean that that person's a bad person it just means that they're not for your journey right now they're right. not the right person for your journey right now so keep it moving
0: yeah It could be right person, wrong time, It also could be wrong person, wrong
1: person, wrong person. All the time, (laughs) wrong person all the time, right. All the time, right. (laughs) There you go. So
0: this is another aspect that, again, I want to get more information about because I've heard different things. And as a practitioner, provider, different things show up in our um, spaces and, you know, in the treatment room. So I've heard mixed reviews about bringing your partner with you to appointments. Please share with us your perspective about this.
1: Um, I am an advocate for this. As long as 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 they have good intentions, Mm -hmm. I say bring them because we, at the end of the day, awareness is what we want. So if you can bring your partner into that space, number one, it means that you're sharing something that's very personal um, to you with them. So that's intimacy. Right. You know, intimacy is just not physical, right? Most intimacy is not physical. So that's an intimate moment. And that's an opportunity for your partner to learn something and now we have yet another advocate so whatever circles they may be in if it comes up now they're able to speak on it um, factually Right. Um, and now they have first-hand experience because they are with you so I, I say bring them
0: yeah okay yeah and I, I'm and a huge seeing, advocate of that I am a huge advocate with one caveat which is if that person is going to be supportive through the process and is going to be enhancing the experience right. yours and as a provider mine um, i've had that's selfish but it's a, a, it's also clarity because if i'm having to not just deal with the questions because i feel sometimes it's important the partner whether it's same sex or otherwise ask questions because they aren't in your body they don't understand and they may be comfortable asking the provider okay well what can I do what is my role in this how can I be helpful and
1: they may ask the questions that you're afraid to ask well they may ask the questions that you didn't even know you had that you know you had but are and, they overbearing
0: right and sometimes it's that like mm-hmm. they take over the appointment or yeah. you're not asking questions that are pertinent to what we're doing right now um, and I feel like you can I know I feel that when I they're in the room And it's like okay, they're here for sports. I mean, support. They're taking notes. They're asking pertinent, relevant questions. That's the type of partnership. Yes, taking notes, girl. Like I'm like, oh my goodness, that's right there. That's gold. note takers. Note taker. And they come with questions, like all sorts of things. Again, that makes me happy because my thing is this is a partnership, not just between me and my patient but also she's in a partnership that is going to be beneficial for her outside Mm -hmm. of this space when she's not at home or things that they hear me say okay i didn't understand what does that term mean what does that mean and now they're trying to be further engaged so they can understand oh this is what this means when is ovulation things that i'm like oh you didn't even feel comfortable or no no to ask but you're like oh ovulation is Man, men are like knowing what day the cycle she's on. What do, what does that mean? Cycle day, what? Okay, that's and it's like, oh wow, you're really taking an active role in this mm. experience. Uh, on the flip side, when you're on your phone the entire time, acting like you'd rather be anywhere but that that could be the case but I don't just don't act like it because it's mm-hmm. it takes up the space and it takes up the air right. in the room Energy. and right it's unnecessary and so there is a time okay. and place to pick okay are you coming to every appointment are you coming to every other are you not coming to any at all and I think that's again you need to know based on who you, what relationship you're in where right. stage of the relationship you're in who you're gonna bring so I'm glad you highlighted that mm-hmm. So, while the person with endometriosis may experience feelings of frustration, guilt, low mood, and irritability, how have you managed your partner's worry and feelings of helplessness and frustration when sometimes there's not anything they feel that they can do?
1: So, sometimes when our partners get frustrated, we take it personally. But a a good supportive partner is going to see an issue and they're going to want to fix it Mm -hmm. and it makes them go to a place it makes them feel a certain type of way when they can't right so it's one of those things where you can say I know you can't fix this but just know that you being here means the world or you being right. here it makes me feel better i know i don't look like it right now or you know can't get up can't stand up but you being here makes the difference and so like just making sure that you're affirming them making sure that you're letting them know how appreciative you are that they are there i feel like helps with some of that frustration i don't know if it can get rid of it completely um Cause I feel like ultimately what they would want to see is you at a hundred percent and sometimes mm-hmm. get a hundred percent, you right. might get 80 and that's my functioning norm. Right. Right. Um. So it's just having, again, that, that dialogue and just um, affirming each other right. and reassuring each other. Like I know you're doing A, B and C. Thank you for taking care of me. Thank you for this. Thank you. You know, all of those things. So, That's really the best advice that I have because, again, they want to fix it. And it's not really something that they can necessarily fix, but their presence makes the experience and makes going through it um, a little bit easier. and It it means a lot. So,
0: yeah. And I think that even though this isn't directly to this, I think that's when knowing your partner's love language is so crucial
1: come because through even when you're mm-hmm. out of sorts
0: even when you are at the extreme of whatever it is the frustration the low mood the irritability the pain somehow i know that when someone goes out of their way to address my main love language all that puts on pause because mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. wait a minute wait a minute mm-hmm. you are tuned to who i am And what I need in that moment, when everything else falls out, when every, when the bottom is literally falling out, when I feel like I'm at my worst, you come through with my primary love language and don't bring in the secondary. Woo! I mean, we good. Like it's in that moment that you can feel seen and it doesn't make the pain go away. Mm. It doesn't make the discomfort go away. It doesn't make the emotional strife go away, but you are being held. There is a space held for you. There is a period where you literally can be, like, separated from those things, mm-hmm. because someone's connecting with you at a deeper level that literally is bigger than the symptom, bigger than the thing that's going on right now.
1: Alexa, play "You Got Me" by the Roots. <laughs> yes, no, yes, like you got me, and that that's is it. Huh. That is it.
0: That mm-hmm. is it. So, if you, I'll put that in the show notes. But if you have don't know what your love language is, um, you need to know because I feel like that's one of those mm-hmm. things that is a game changer in relationships. Chronic mm-hmm.
1: illness or not, or okay, not that, or thats not. nuggets for yeah. everybody. Okay. <laughs> those <laughs> are yeah.
0: And again, the hint is is that your love, your partner's love language, is probably not yours. Probably not. In fact, it might be inverse. <laughs> so you giving your love language to your partner. Is pretty much giving them trash and i'm not saying that in like a you know hyperbolic way it's just that it doesn't get received so it's like if my love language and my love languages are gifts and acts of service but when i do that for my partner whose love language is words of affirmation and quality time i mean it's I <laughs> but that doesn't really resonate right right kind of like oh thanks and that's kind of where it ends grateful yes but it doesn't strike that chord like ooh, undivided time un, un, like undivided attention quality time physical touch and, and yeah physical touch gifts, t- gifts mm-hmm. acts of service like of you service. need to know yeah. what yours are and you need to know what your partners are because i tell you it makes a difference and trying to give your partner what you want is a recipe for disaster (laughs) i mean (laughs) it is literally a recipe for disaster because you keep giving 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 and they're like but that's not what i want and so it's not you're giving expecting something they're still expecting something because they're not getting what they want (laughs) and it's everyone's just confused and angry and upset and hurt and I'm telling you when that light clicks that, Oh, giving this person a gift who doesn't whose gift in you know, a love language that gifts is like last on our list. It's not gonna, it's not gonna end well for anybody. So again, especially when you're, while well, we just said, you know, this transcends, you know, a chronic condition or anything, but when you are in that low space, when times are rough, knowing your partner, knowing what your love language is, what you're going through is, Chef's kiss, chef's kiss. Yep. Yep. So, keep that Prices. in mind. Yes, mm-hmm. and we've talked about it a lot—the um, the importance of communication. But what role does communication play in all of these types of relationships? And what approaches have you employed to talk with your family, your friends, your workplace colleagues, your supervisors, <clears throat> and your intimate partners to explain living with endometriosis that you feel have been universal and that? have been able to work on all different types of relationships
1: so the way that I see it is so I know that this is so cliche but communication is key
0: right
1: um talk to them yeah if you are not in my circle like if you are not close to my core and really the only thing that I can think of that meets that criteria is work Mm -hmm. you're on a need-to-know basis right? right so work You only need to know what I tell you. But as far as family and friends go, um, I, just just be honest. Sometimes I don't tell my family how I'm feeling because I know that they worry, right? right? And I live out of state, so I'm the only one here um and the rest of my family is out of state and i mean like 12 hours away out of state so right. it's easier for me to put on a brave face on a phone call or facetime and say yeah i'm good mm-hmm. because i don't have to see them right or they can't just come over mm-hmm. um but sometimes i don't tell them how i feel especially when i have a really bad flare now if i go to the hospital then i tell my mom I'll right. say, mom, you know, mommy is bad. I got to go to the hospital, A, B, and C. Um, okay. and, I'll, and then I'll tell close friends. Right. But otherwise, um, I try to be as transparent as possible. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so now the flip side of this, and we've touched on it throughout this, um, this episode, but not everyone in your professional, personal, or and or intimate circle will be able to understand or worse, be sympathetic to your condition how do you navigate this aspect of living with an endometriosis diagnosis
1: um i used to be really forgiving mm-hmm. i used to make excuses for people in this particular cohort <laughs> but not anymore and i'm just over it because mm-hmm. that does not serve me right um because i think what we need to realize is you come first mm-hmm treat yourself with respect first, love yourself first before you expect that from anybody else or before you give that to anybody else. So um, if you lack sympathy for anything that I am going through, then you lack access to me, period. Mm,
0: I like that. Access, it comes down to access Mm -hmm. because you could be spending Mm -hmm. your time with anybody. You don't have to make the cut.
1: (laughs) No, you do not. (laughs) No, you do not. Like, there is, like, a weekly draft. Like, all right, who made the cut this week? Nope, nope, right. and nope. All right, keep it moving. Like, you yeah. really have to get to a point, and I, I don't want people to listen to this and think that, you know, I've just had it together this whole time. this is This is the culmination of years and years and years of dealing with this, and I am still not you know, that mature seedling, like that mature tree. I'm still a seedling. I'm still learning. I'm still on my journey. So, you know, some of the things that I do today may not be what I'm doing next week or next month or whatever, but this is what works for me right now. And because you're human and because you grow, the way that you deal with other people will also evolve and grow and change and all these other things. But I do feel like no matter where i am in life if you lack empathy for what i'm going through then you lack access to me i love that end of discussion <laughs> and nothing more to be said nope. i love
0: that no and i think that's that's something that again can apply to people in general whether you have a chronic condition or not mm-hmm. access is what it is and you don't have to that's a privilege to have access to me and my time yeah. To be in my space. In my space
1: and in it, my energy. Like, like we said earlier, it. I am a vibe. <laughs> yes. Okay? Yes. I am. So it's privilege. Yeah,
0: it is a privilege. And to start mm-hmm. coming from a place of not necessarily hubris, but a place of like, no, I know my worth. And if, if you're not you know, bringing something to the table in terms of you know, taking in the whole component of who I am, Mm-hmm. Then yeah, you are limiting your access.
1: This is not a la carte.
0: This is not. This is not an a la carte it service is not. station. No. <laughs> I, love is it. Not. I love it. I love it.
1: So as we come to
0: the end, I know we talked about, you know, a lot of resources during endometriosis 101 in our first part, but are there any um resources that have come to mind that you can re- recommend for those who want to explore endometriosis awareness more and get some more education?
1: Um so there are several um so in any um platform that hosts podcasts so apple spotify stitcher um, type in endometriosis Mm. and a lot of podcasts with that um theme will come up for you so you can just choose whatever fits um fits your style or, you know, right. whatever you feel is fitting for you um, on social media. This is March. So you're going to see yellow, 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 yellow. So everywhere. if you uh, everywhere, so Instagram or Facebook, just type in endometriosis or endo type mm-hmm. in endo. Um, uh, we can leave some, some of the hashtags that you can search for um, okay. on social media and that way that'll put you in, um, community that that'll put you in a community so to say yeah. right and then you'll be able to follow certain people and eat like I said it's not about having endo we welcome everybody it's about um, awareness it's about advocacy and um, policy change mm-hmm all of that. So the more people that we can have to support us um, and walk with us, the better. So we welcome everyone. So and that means even
0: if you don't have an endometriosis diagnosis, exactly, whether you're, exactly. especially if you're a provider and you want to know more, especially yes. if you are a, a person who identifies as male, and has not Mm -hmm. will pretty much never experienced endometriosis or if you are in a same-sex relationship and don't have an Mm -hmm. endometriosis diagnosis and want to support sometimes it doesn't mean that you have to be going through to be an ally or an advocate sometimes it's those who don't have any direct experience with that can make the most difference because now you're standing up for those who sometimes are sometimes voiceless, or their voices just aren't heard. Mm-hmm. And I think right. that's so important, especially in terms of providers, because we are able to witness and bear witness to so many different aspects of the evolution of endometriosis, and we can do more as well, especially when it comes to what it takes to, the, the time it takes to even get a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And so I think, um, again, just playing the role and knowing what role that is um, during this month is so very crucial. Absolutely. So last but not least, any parts of, <laughs> parting words of wisdom, darling?
1: Um, Just from experience, strengthen and exercise your throat chakra. Mm-hmm. Verbalize your needs, verbalize your expectations, no matter what the situation is. And if someone cannot meet the standard, you know, distance yourself. Um, if, you know, to endo takes,
0: access, I love that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Endo yeah. takes so much from us, but um, you know, we can show how amazing we are. Just communicate your needs. Um, express gratitude to your friends and family who support you. Um, and anybody else who doesn't, release them with love and compassion and keep it moving. Yeah. Like, it you doesn't know. have
0: to be any animosity. It doesn't have to be any bitterness because all of that is, again, you're hurting yourself more than you're exactly. hurting yourself. It's,
1: exactly. It's no hard feelings. It's just business. Yeah. And this, the business is me creating balance and tranquility in my world. Yes.
0: So, yeah. okay until we meet again next week um i won't even tell you what we're talking about because i want it to be a okay. surprise okay. but it will definitely be a treat um thank you so much tiffany and we'll talk again soon
1: all right thank you
0: take a look at the show notes for more information about today's guest their contact information and associated social media channels Think about one gem you can take away from this episode and apply to your own life. Also, please follow the podcast, leave a five star rating and comment telling us what you're enjoying and what you'd like to see more of in future episodes. Till we meet again, remember to nourish your flourish and see you next time.